Good morning. You're listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Abels and Hyman. We taste better. We are off to a delayed start because this is the end of the marathon, but you can still pledge what it was a crazy last couple of weeks. Uh, this marathon keeps JM and the AM alive and the Nachum Siegel Network stream. Thank you for those who have supported us and will hopefully continue to support us. And those of you who are, can still pledge, you can go to jamintheam.org or nachamsegel.com. The Facebook page, you can go check out pictures and stuff, Instagram, and see what has gone on for the last couple of weeks. But thank you very much for pledging and uh, sticking and around listening to all of Nachum's shows and all our host shows on the uh, Nachum Siegel Network. We have a great lineup today as we get closer and closer to Pesach. I know I feel like I've been talking about Pesach for a couple of weeks. I did have a little bit of a break, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I just want to introduce our show. I'm Naomi Nachman. I'm the host of Table for Two, and I'm all about all the food. You said it all the time. I love food. I love to shop for it, cook it, eat at restaurants, um, anything food-related. I'm a kosher personal chef. My business is called the Aussie Gourmet, um, and I love to cook for Pesach. I'm like the only person on this planet that loves to say they love to cook for Pesach. Anytime you don't feel like cooking, you can give me a call. Don't call me right now. I'm really busy. <laughs> Just joking. Um, um, I hope you'll tune in every week and about hear about my exciting food adventures and uh, sharing of great recipes idea and my amazing guests. I like to hear about your experiences too, so email me at naomi at nachamsegel.com. Join my fan page on Facebook, the Aussie Gourmet, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, or my newsletter, theaussiegourmet.com. Um, so if you eat it, share it. Love to hear about what you've made as well. Um, great show today. I'm very excited because the, I've, I've tried for a very long time to have these two ladies in, and they're both one of the biggest, busiest ladies that on the planet. <laughs> I feel that. So it's been a really hard coordinating, especially Paula Shoya is here in the house, as well as Miriam Pascal. Um, Paula is author of the uh, new Passover menu, as well as two other books. We're going to talk to her when Miriam Pascal is the overtime cook right here. I feel like so honored to have both of you in the studio today. So I uh, just want to give a big shout out to Chagall Restaurant, Chagall Bistro in Brooklyn. I don't know if you ladies have been there, but it is one of the best French bistros in New York. Now, Paula's spent a lot of time in Paris. We'll talk about that during the show, but they had real authentic Parisian ambiance in in this bistro and real like real Parisian food that I've never seen anywhere else in New York. Is it a meat restaurant? It's a meat restaurant. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, but uh, it was really a fabulous place. I just I had their beef tartare. It was unbelievable. I don't know if that's so French. Is that? Oh, it's very French. I had my first. I had it for the first time in Paris about 20 years ago. Okay, so it only hit the New York scene in the last couple of years. You know, it was a big deal to eat raw fish, and even a bigger deal to eat raw meat. But it was unbelievable. So if you have some time between now and Pesach, or the men folk that are listening to the show, and you want to take your wife out for the night because she's busy, so in Pesach mode. Um, make your way over there. It's really a fabulous restaurant. So a uh, big shout out to them. Ladies, thank you for joining me. So great to be here. Thank yeah. you for having us. Oh, it's great. I'm like, you know, I'm starstruck when I see these two gals because they've got huge followings and we're going to talk to them. We're going to talk first to Paula. We're going to talk to Miriam. Then we'll have a whole chit chat together. Um, so Paula, welcome. <laughs> it's great to be here in New York. I, I know, right? It's it's uh, we've had a really crazy winter, but you're also in in in, in um, Maryland, Maryland outside DC. We've had a pretty bit bad winter as well, and they cancel school for my kids pretty much the second they see two snowflakes. Really? Yeah, because it Israel, freezes a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay, it freezes up. Yeah, we've had quite a lot of of snow days, but you know, I'm happy to actually. I take that time to cook with my kids in the kitchen. So. You know, I made gnocchi with my son from the new Passover menu um, a couple of weeks ago. It was just so cold and we didn't want to go anywhere. And we made gnocchi together. That's nice. How old, was, how old is he? He's 15. Okay. So when a 15-year-old boy wants to hang out with mom and cook in the kitchen, that's that's a good kid. Well, <laughs> he likes to eat. Yeah. And hopefully he loves to cook. So Paula, this is your third book, but let's kind of backtrack to the beginning of Paula's career. Um, a lot of you have watched our show uh, when we were on uh, when we did our show live from Kosher Feast Kosher Fest uh, back in uh, okay November it feels like before there was snow on the ground and I I grabbed Paula from the from the aisle and I said I got you 5 minutes let's put you on the air so we heard a little bit about Paula, Paula Shaw and you've been uh, over the phone as well but now I've got you in the studio 
and we have new listeners all the time. Tell us a little bit about how you got started because she's actually a lawyer. I am a lawyer. I'm a member of the New York Bar, and I practiced law for four years before my husband's job for the U.S. government sent us to Geneva, Switzerland. And while there, I still had a legal job for two years. And then after my daughter was born, I left that job and decided to go to school in Paris for pastry just for fun, not looking for a new career. And I went to cooking school, and when I came back to Geneva, people in the Jewish community would ask me to bake for them for events. So I started baking desserts in my kitchen, and next thing you know, I have a catering business. And then (laughs) one of the Jewish women's organizations asked me to teach cooking classes for them as a fundraiser. So I started doing those classes in French, which was pretty funny. Did you speak French before you went? No, I I learned French when I lived in Geneva. You must be very bright, because it's very hard to pick up a language just so. I studied Ivrit for 12 years in school, not so good. (laughs) Yeah, no, I speak Hebrew and French. The problem is, like, when I go to Israel now, I confuse the two. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I was in Israel last month, which we can also talk about, but I was in a few French pastry shops in Israel, and my son was laughing at me because I was conf- I was speaking French and Hebrew simultaneously. I was in Paris maybe 15 years ago, and I remember I was at the, one of the kosher bakeries in District 19, um, and I was trying to communicate that I wanted to buy bread, and... I didn't know how to say bread in French, so I automatically said lechem in Hebrew, like your brain thinks foreign language Hebrew, but really it's foreign. When I, when I first moved to Geneva and I went to the kosher butcher just off, of, off over the border in France, I would speak to the guy in Hebrew because I didn't speak French then, and I would explain to him what I wanted to cook in Hebrew, and he would tell me which meat cut of meat that I needed right. to buy, and then eventually I switched to French. It's the international language, Hebrew, you know. <laughs> you need to speak meat in every language. <laughs> It's so true. So then I, you know, so I did this work in Geneva. When I came back to the U.S., I started teaching cooking classes in my home really for fun. And then Susie Fishbein called me to edit two of her cookbooks. That's right. Were you friends or she just heard I, about okay, you? So I went to school with her sister Karen at Halb in Long Beach in Long Island. You went to Halb? Yeah, I went to Halb. I had no idea. My kids are in Halb. It's a great place. That's so cute. I have a little first grader. So Did you have Mrs. Um, the, the third grade teacher. Uh, a lot of the teachers all Meshenberg? Mrs. Meshenberg? My brothers did. She only taught the boys' classes she, back then. So she had my daughter, who's now a senior. She had it when she was in I third grade. I cannot even believe she's still there because I'm not so young. I'm turning 50. So She's amazing. Incredible. She's an incredible, incredible teacher. I saw her two years ago, and it was so fun to see her. She looks the same. It's she really looks, scary. And she has an incredible memory. So big shout-out to the Hebrew Academy of Long Beach. Great place. So I knew Karen... I knew Susie's sister, Karen, but Susie knew me through Karen, and Susie was in my younger brother's class at Halb, and Susie knew me through other friends. Susie's husband went to college with me, so like everybody's- A lot of connections. A lot of connections. The so whole I, Jewish geography thing. <laughs> so I edited two cookbooks for Susie, and halfway through, I thought, I have so many recipes for my classes. I converted all the French pastry recipes that I learned in school from Diary de Parve. So I had all these fabulous recipes, and that's when I decided to write The Kosher Baker. That's fantastic. And that's what got me started writing cookbooks. That, that's unbelievable. And five years and three books later, I can't even believe. I know. Three books in five years. Crazy. Miriam knows that's a lot, right? Yeah. And I, I'm not sure I recommend it. The new Passover menu I wrote in five months last year. My kids were eating Pesach for like five months leading up to Pesach because I finished the book right in the middle of Cholom last year. And that was crazy. But um, but it's not really a Pesach Pesach book because it's just fresh, healthy food. Right, right, but, right. Um, I, I've already been making your Moroccan ribs like a million times. <laughs> well, well, the reason I was able to write this one so quickly was that all these recipes, for the most part, were in my head. This is what I make for my family all the time right. every Shabbos. So it was like, oh, I'm going to write a Pesach book, but I'm going to use the recipes that I love, the way I eat, the way I see entertaining for a kosher family, and I'm going to share that with the world and have them use it for Pesach. Right, right. So a lot of your, I just, you know, because we're so in Pesach mode, your second book, uh, The Holiday Baker. Right. The Holiday Kosher Baker. That, that was, that was, a, that's a great book. Now people obviously, you know, they, they hopefully have your book, but they're bubka bites. I see that everywhere and people are making that everywhere. And that's really become a big hit from that book. Yeah, that's great. I was in New Jersey last week at a shul doing an event and the rabbi of that shul came into the kitchen to tell me how much he liked the honey cake biscotti and the bubka bites. Right. The rabbi baked them himself. And that's I that so cute. That's really cute. nice. But I like that there was a huge Pesach section because yes. um, I've actually got um, a Pesach, one of my Pesach, I've got it here for later on for our What's for Dinner segment, but I've got my Pesach uh, biscotti recipe. Oh, it's fabulous. Um, yeah, I, I love, people love to have biscotti on Pesach because I think at the oh. end of a meal, you kind of dunk it in the tea and it's 
<laughs> Absolutely. So the holiday kosher burger has 45 Pesach recipes. Right. So, and this one has 15. But the new one of the biscottis that I love that I put into the new book is a triple chocolate biscotti. So you melt like good Swiss chocolate and you add cocoa and chips and ground almonds and other ingredients. And they're such good biscotti. And I have several friends whose kids have celiac. And I gave them the recipe immediately as soon as I developed no, it. So it was all gluten-free. They make them all no matzo, No matzo meal in it? Not in that one, no. I have very few. I had to put a few recipes with cake meal only because... There's so many families who have children who are who have nut allergies. So I couldn't write a Pesach chapter that was just completely gluten-free. I had to have some nut-free desserts. I think that's brilliant. This is this is a book that you don't put away with your Pesach box. Or you buy two. I think you need to you, buy two. I think it's, not, you, it's I only think a $25 book, so I think people should buy two. Because, because one you put away with your Pesach pots and pans, and the other one you just keep. Because people have been telling me, like, they bought this, like, it came out three weeks ago. People are already cooking from it all the time, yeah. making the soups, the soups and salads and all this fresh yeah. stuff. So, so the, why the, wait? The kale salad. Kale, I mean, even though we're leaving, hopefully leaving winter one of these days and moving into spring, Kale's considered one of the winter greens. Right. Um, but it's got a kale salad in there. Yeah, the like, kale Caesar salad. My kids love that. Who is doing kale for Pesach? That is so clever. It's just so easy. I mean, you know, you and I, lo- I like to cook for Pesach too. It's all about what you can use, not what you can. Right. So I'm I'm not a super heavy gluten heavy cook anyway. So for me, Pesach is not that, not hard. You know, it's like, I just try to stay away from too many potatoes, but really right. focus on all the, all the vegetables. Right. We had last week, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks, I've lost track of time. Aviva Kanoff. Uh-huh. Um, Kanoff, I hope I'm saying it right. Um, and she wrote a book called The No Potato Passover because she tried to make a book as a challenge without potatoes. And I thought, wow. So, um, her publisher sent it to me. Uh, do you use the same publisher, Stuart Schnee? No, Stuart is my publicist in Israel. Your publicist in Israel. So, so, um, he sent me both her books. I was, love the fact that it, you can use her no potato pasta for the whole year. Yeah, I've been telling everybody just cook from this all year round because it's just good food, good fresh food. And this is what my family likes to eat. So there's no reason why other, I mean, I have four kids, so I have a lot of people tasting in my house. <laughs> so. Are they, are they, uh, tough critics? My family's really tough on me. They are. They are. They're really good. So, like, I, I think I have two out of the four that are more, kind of real seasoned tasters can taste subtle differences between things, but they're all really great at commenting and they're very spoiled when they go out in the world. Like they're just so disappointed in the food. Like, they go to camp every summer and they come back so skinny. Like, please like feed us. Yeah. My kids like to take their own set of like uh, spices with them to season the food up a little bit. <laughs> We're building a generation of food snobs. But... I know my kids smuggle in hot sauce into Camp Ramah. Oh, ha, 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 ha. that's funny. I love, oh. love Sriracha. Can we get Sriracha for Pesach yet? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I, you know, I, I haven't. haven't seen, you can get yeah. sweet chili sauce. Yeah. But I have not seen sriracha out on, am I, do I say sriracha? Sriracha. 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 So I have not seen that on the shelves yet, but that could be coming out in any minute. I'm oh, sure Gourmet so Glatt's going to get it in any day now. Um, okay. So what I, this book is really different and really unique. It's not like um, soup and fish and it's actually done very clever. Well, I wanted to make it really easy for people. So first of all, people find, you know, the preparations for Pesach is just overwhelming. So by the time you get to the holiday, you're like, okay, my kitchen's ready. Now I have to cook for 20 people. (sighs) I'm exhausted. How do I do this? So I organized it by menus. Not that you can't mix and match because I would do that as well. So there's, you know, eight different menus. So there's two different menus for seders, then there's Yom Tov and Shabbos menu, and then Cholomoed menus. But like people I know who do vegetarian seders, I said, okay, there's an Italian menu and there's a French menu. Those are fish vegetarian. You could use those for your seders if you want. And I have lists of equipment for every recipe at the beginning of every recipe. Yeah, that's really good. It drives me crazy when I'll like say, oh, I'm going to make this for Pesach. And like I'm halfway through the recipe. I'm like, don't have this pan, don't have that pan. And I tested things out with a lot of disposable pans because a lot of people use those on Pesach. And it makes a difference when you cook certain things. Cooking times are different, different pans. People have asked results. that. I saw on one of these Facebook groups, I don't know, Miriam, if you saw it, you can pipe up. But somebody asked about if they can use one of those disposable pots. Do you know the foil pots? That you have you ever seen those? I, I have not seen those. Have you? I, ne- I never like to use disposable. I don't think it cooks as well unless you absolutely have to. No, it definitely doesn't. Um, I find things like I can do like a kugel in a, in a disposable pan. Nine by thirteen pan. Um, I find cookies just forget about it. Don't even bother making yeah, cookies right. Right on cookie a disposable pan. For sure, you need um, those. Although pie pans good, you just have to put that on. A, I mean, a real cookie sheet. Yeah, do you put a pie pan on a cookie sheet? Is that what you're supposed to? Yeah, do? I, I often do just to get a little more heat on the bottom of it. Oh, good one. See, you're always learning. Always learning right here on oh, table yeah. for two. Um, you know, I'm like I'm the kosher baker at heart, but I, you know, I always say like I wrote this book. Like I don't just eat cake for dinner. Like we have to eat food in our house too. Right. Like some of the time. 
<laughs> my kids love when I, I don't usually make dessert, but they love when I make a blueberry cobbler for dessert. Oh, when I yeah. see blueberries at, you know, the supermarket, when Costco has these big, fat, plumpish blueberries on sale, because not on sale, they're a bit pricey, but I just grab them up and buy a whole bunch. Someone just recently told me you can freeze them, mm-hmm. fresh blueberries, yes. and use them when you want to use them. Yeah, you're you better off freezing them on a cookie sheet first and then after they're frozen, putting them into a freezer bag so they don't just smush into each other in your freezer bag. There you go. Another perfect tip. We're going to talk about Pesach tips in a minute. Okay, um, we were just saying about... We were talking the, about the book. And then the, the other book. thing I did on this book, and I do this on all my books, I label the recipes if they're you know easy or difficult. And then I have you know, allergy labels. I also have if it's gluten-free or nut-free or, you know, gabrox. So that people, depending on your minhag, you can find the recipe that works for you or whatever your allergy is. Okay. Your, your photography is lovely. Thank you. you. Who did all this? So the photographer is Michael Benacrest. He's done all of my three books as well as my three simchas for my four kids. And uh, he's a fabulous <laughs> That's photographer. That's nice. But well, we have a lot of fun doing food together, and we have a food stylist that we use, and I have a baking assistant who's uh, wonderful. And um, Just looking for some of these pictures here. Oh, look, here's a Middle Eastern haroset. She has all different kinds. I'm just going to hold it up for those of you who are not familiar with our YouTube channel on the Nachum Siegel Net. It's on the YouTube channel. We have a U- the Nachum Siegel Network has a YouTube channel. There you go. Did I say it right? And it's Nachum Siegel Net. I said it right, CK. Right? Did I did I get it down right? He's laughing at me. <laughs> He's cracking up. One okay. of my favorite recipes in the book okay, is the Seder plate salad, which is really beautiful, and it has um, all the elements of a Seder plate on in what in a salad. And I'm actually going to do it on um, on TV on March thirty. Say that. Yeah, wait, hold on. March 31st on Fox Morning News. I'm demonstrating my Seder plate salad. You go, girl. I'm very excited. This is not Paula's first TV appearance. Oh, Let's no. Let's talk about yeah. – she was on Hallmark Channel, right? Oh, yeah, I was on the Home and, um, Home and Family on the Hallmark Channel for Hanukkah, and I'm going back for Pesach as well. I'm <gasps> filming in L.A. on March 30th. I'm doing my gefilte fish in there, which is like you take a frozen gefilte fish loaf. My grandmother is so proud of you. And you thaw it out, and then you put half of it in a loaf pan, and then you put fresh salmon and the gefilte fish on top. And then when you slice it, you have a ring of gefilte fish around salmon. And I'm doing this on the Hallmark Channel in L.A., which will be really <laughs> fun. Yeah, I have a great time doing that show. And um, yeah, no, and the other show I'm doing, and I'm doing a show in Washington as well. So I have three shows before Pesach. So every holiday, I'm super busy doing like little TV segments, which is um, it's been a lot of fun. It's fun. it's fun. TV is fun, and so is radio. <laughs> well, radio. Well, here I'm in studio, so I actually had to get dressed. But I do a lot of radio from my house, where I can sit in my pajamas, nice and toasty. Yeah, and... we don't have that luxury, ZK. But I can come. I'll come in my pajamas next time. If okay, okay, you can you. come in your pajamas next okay. time. I'll be happy to have you. Because TV is like a whole different thing, you know. Right, it's like right. you know the makeup, the hair, the the set, and all the desserts and all the food and stuff. But it's a lot of fun. I meet great people when I go out and do the shows. And... Yeah, I I I've done a lot of QVC over the. Last couple of years. That's fair. And I do, I do Rogalach. Oh. So <laughs> I'm actually trying to get the guy from Petite Shell. Have you been there? No. You must go. Okay. Where okay. is this? It's, um, on the Upper East Side. So those of you, you've, uh, who are listening, you've heard me say this quite a few times. It's Lexington and like 83rd. There's a Charis place on one corner, kosher. Mm-hmm. And a, like two blocks up on the opposite side of the street is Petite Shell. It's, um, buttery, Flaky croissants. They have a pretzel one, oh, pretzel style, a whole grain style. It's all butter. You taste the butter. They make these gourmet sandwiches. My mouth is watering like crazy as I'm talking about it. And um, rug and all different kinds of like a pepper jack cheese rogalach and a chocolate rogalach oh, and an apple cinnamon well, rogalach. I do so many things like that. You know, I try to take the traditional Jewish desserts and make them and more interesting, more twist it, twist it around. Like I had my for Purim, I did my green tea hamatashim, which was really fun. <gasps> I did that. And um, and, you know, I try to take rugelach and put different things inside and mess around with the dough. I think for Joy of Kosher last Rosh Hashanah, I did a chocolate rugelach dough where the dough was chocolate. So I try to have some fun with the traditional stuff because I think you, that people want things to be a little more contemporary. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think about this like day in and day out? Like when you're lying down at night, does your head spin with recipes? Oh, all the time. I have, like I have more I, I have idea files. I travel a lot, so I have so many ideas from all the different places. Where have you traveled to recently? Recently, I was in Israel. Oh. I did a like a, a food like a book tour and media tour there. I was at the U.S. Ambassador's residence in Herzliya and did a book launch there for 80 people, which was like the who's who of Israeli food scene. Such wonderful people, restaurant owners, Master Chef winners, people who've had TV shows, people who've written books, bloggers, magazine writers. Such a wonderful community. 
community of food people. And Jamie Geller came to my event, which was so wonderful to see her. Yeah, we love Jamie. And I did some other book signings there. And then I had journalists. I was following me around because I was researching an article for Hadassah magazine on the best bakeries in Israel, which Naomi is a miserable job. But I think you should come with me next time to research this. Uh, Okay, done. It's just, you know, it's really painful. So I should come with you and we go around Israel tasting tasting bakery food. I need to do it in New York too. And you know what? ZK can come along and film us. Oh, that would be really fun. And then we'll just air it right here on Table for Two. He's excited. He's ready. Bags packed. Yeah, I was in Makor uh, Rishon newspaper in Israel with all these awful photos of me, like stuffing food into my mouth, looking up, thinking about it, looking seriously. They're really funny. You are living the dream. Oh. You are living the dream. It's fun. I feel very blessed. I really, you know, it's been a very long haul to get where I am and a very long journey. And at the beginning, I heard no more times than anybody needs to hear the word no. And... I just kept persisting and hard work, hard work, persistent. Don't give up. You're very skinny. <laughs> oh, I run. I'm a runner. Really? Okay, it helps. I sweat it off. Oh yeah, you got it. I mean, there's no other way. Okay, my daughter just did the marathon in Yerushalayim for Shalva. Oh, she, that's she great. Went as part of a team, it was amazing. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I can do five and a half miles. My dream is maybe seven, but who knows? Maybe I'll make it up to like a half marathon. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not getting younger. So Naomi, we'll see how it goes. I've got some clients who started marathon running at 50. There you go. So that's a bit of inspiration. That, there it is. I was I was a runner as a teenager into my twenties, and then it kind of just like the knees. Yeah, yeah. No, we got to do some exercise. You just oh. you know, if you want to eat, balance it out with a little exercise, and that way you get it in. And with you know, a lot of my clients, and and speaking about food and exercise and Pesach coming up, we think of Pesach, and I'm going to Ram uh, at the Doral. Uh, hotel in florida fabulous yeah i'm very excited i'm going to be running their culinary program tons of cooking classes and their food is incredible ari white's going to be down there also doing his barbecue stuff but you know ram caterers is synonymous with high class high-end delicious food well presented and i'm i'm so (laughs) proud to be and excited to be part of their team but my kids are like Mom, we're gonna eat and eat and eat and eat. They have wood burning pizzas, kosher pesach. They have they have sushi, kosher pesach. Like it's gonna be nonstop food. But I said I said to the girls, so long as we exercise a little bit every day. If you're home and you're gonna be eating a lot, you're gonna be dunking those yummy biscottis in your tea. Do it, enjoy it. Just walk on the beach. Just, it's so beautiful. Or, or if you're in New York, go walk to Shul and back. Or in the afternoon, walk your husband to Mincha or something. You know, just. Just keep it walking, keep it moving. You know, you know, I'm not telling you to go for a jog down Central Avenue if you live in the Five Towns or along Grand Street if you're uh, right here on the Lower East Side. But just go for a walk, keep yourself moving, drink lots of water. And the other thing I'll tell people, and for sure Miriam would agree with me on this, like don't ever eat any desserts that don't taste good. They're not sure. worth the calories. If you take a bite of some Pesach dessert someplace and it isn't good, just put spit it down. It out. Put it down and spit it out. Because you know what? It, life is too short to waste on bad desserts. Eat Miriam's, eat mine, bake at home, buy them at places that they're good, but really do not waste your calories on any bad Pesach food or desserts for sure. Or in general, bad food. Ever. Oh, yeah. You should see me at every Simcha. I have like what I call the graveyard of desserts on my plate. <gasps> one bite out of every cupcake, one bite out of every cookie. Because if it doesn't deserve a second bite, I am not going there. I like that. That's a really good philosophy. Yeah, don't waste it. Yeah, I'm very. I'm also very picky at what I'll eat at a at a kiddish or a smorgasbord. I want like, and send the message to the caterers that like, why are you still serving things that don't taste good? Like, there's right. all these great recipes out there. Miriam's mine, like yours. There's so many great recipes. Why are they still making cookies that people are spitting out right. that people are not from eating? the 1960s? Oh you gosh, know? it's like you the kiddish stuff from like when we were kids. Yeah, you know? not good, not good. And there is so many. You know, the the advent of we're going to talk a little bit about that with Miriam as well, but Facebook and Instagram and bloggers and websites, everything is growing and there's so many. Yeah, and kosher people are entitled to eat fabulous desserts and food like everybody else is eating. And we have to keep demanding that from our caterers, from our restaurants, from our kids' schools. Like, we're not putting up with bad food anymore because we know what's, all three of us, like, we're serious chefs. We know what's possible. We have all these great ingredients out there today in the kosher world that we can all use. Like, we don't have to be eating bad stuff from the 70s. Yeah, no. I think we've had a big revamp, but I feel like in the last six months with all the the kosher foodie groups out there on Facebook, they are demanding the restaurants pay attention to what they're saying. There's a way to do it. You've got to be respectful if you want to get your point across to the the restaurateur, but there, there is. 
they have to listen. It's a two-way street. You know, we got to we want good food. They got to serve good food, and we'll all be happy. I still think the desserts have a long way to go. Wouldn't you agree, Miriam? Oh, for sure. Yeah, the food has gotten more gourmet, but even some of the best kosher restaurants especially have the, bad desserts. Especially the meat restaurants. I feel keep like going, keep going, keep going. I love it. Parv, they feel like they, ha- they give up on having good dessert. But you can, me and Paula can tell you that you can have good parv dessert. I, I know that. We've proven it. I, I I say that all the time. Some of the restaurants, they, they, they either buy food in, they're not hiring a pastry chef, thinking, what what's going on here? Like, it's so it's But it's so the easy. restaurant industry overall, kosher, non-kosher. I've read about this in, in magazines yeah, and newspapers, sure. how they don't want – it's too expensive to pay for a pastry chef because they can't charge enough because people don't always order dessert and people don't off – you know, like five people will share one dessert. So you're not going to make the money back because on it, hiring a pastry chef. Because it's bad dessert. You give me right. – I'll pay $15 for a, for a dessert. I have no problem. But like I pay $15 Make it worth my money. But it, just make it good. I don't want to taste Rich's Whip. Okay, you have to use it in there, but you have to use other things that mask or change. There's it. so many other products. There is, you know, there are, there's with coconut milk and, and, and almond, you know, you guys are more of the bakers than I am. But, you know, you go to a restaurant, you've had a fabulous steak. I want dessert. And I, I'm not a huge, as I, people know, I don't love to bake. I love to cook more. But I'm always happy to eat the dessert. And I want to bite something fabulous, and it's you know, and and not a chocolate molten cake, really, yes, which are or, delicious. But enough oh, of those. I've or had a that hot, at, hot apple cobbler. Oh my enough gosh. of that. I love them, but I make that at home. I don't want to right. eat that at out. I know. I mean, there's so many options out there. So I hope they're all paying attention. They should. They should hire Miriam and I to come in and revamp their dessert yeah. menus. Let's go. Let's do that together, Paula. Absolutely. You know, I had a very nice dessert at um, Reserve Cut here. Have you oh, gone yeah? there mm-hmm. to Reserve Cut? Write that down. That Reserve is. Cut. Pretty pricey, but let me tell you, it's one of the most, besides being, as I said like a few weeks ago, one of the prettiest restaurants I've ever eaten at. The ambiance is unbelievable. I've never seen such a setup, but the, the desserts, they, they, they must have their own oh, person there. To, are they open for lunch? Because I'm yes. going to be able to go next week. I'll be back for a day. Oh, I wish I could join you. <laughs> After Pesach, we're going to do something. I also want to do, and I keep saying this, the food trucks. I want to eat at all the kosher food trucks here. Okay, so this is new to me. We had a kosher food truck in D.C. for about a year and a half, and now it's gone. Uh, what was uh, it? It was like kosher deli food. It was. They actually did it with a grant from a synagogue, Six and I, and a local rabbi did the hashkacha, and Spike Mendelson, who's Jewish, who had been on top Bravo's top chef, who has a non-kosher restaurant in D.C., he was involved with the food, and the food was great. People lined up. It was fabulous, but then they lost the funding, and they just couldn't sustain uh, it. So. I, I want to hit holy rollers, eat those hot dogs. <laughs> so where, where do I go to find kosher food trucks? Brooklyn? No, they're Are here they in, in Manhattan. City? Okay. They're here in Manhattan. There's the Shook truck, which does Shuk Shooker. They've, made, they've like, like made the New York Post. They like made a big splash and holy rollers, and I think the Schnitzy Boys. It's like there's oh, a lot of them. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm, I definitely have to research that. I know. So I keep saying I'm going to pick a date when it's warm and invite people from who listen to the show to join me on a random Oh, Wednesday. I would definitely come back from D.C. And we're going to do a little, you know, um, tasting. tasting of all the food tracks. Oh, my God, my mouth is watering. I know, I'm getting hungry. Okay, I just quickly, and then we're going to move, move your Pesach tips into your Pesach tips. But what what advice can you give to a young a younger family starting off of uh, someone who's a young bride who's making Pesach for the first time or you know someone whose parents are elderly and the parents can't make Pesach and now it's on the daughter who's never made Pesach and she's married thirty years. What advice can we give to these people? So the first thing is be organized, okay? Remember that, you know, even though you're planning seders and you're planning dinners, you still have to deal with breakfast and lunch. So plan out those breakfast and lunch. That should be part of your shopping list as well. I put a breakfast chapter in the book because I got tired of being a short order cook as my kids woke up at like 11, at 3, at 4, at 5. They'd wake up and I'd be making dinner and I'd be making omelets and stuff for them. So you know, bake some things, have some things available for people to nosh on all the time. Don't forget about noshing. Okay, because if you have, as soon as Pesach starts, people want something to eat. So get that ready. The best advice I can give to somebody who's doing it for the first time is when you go shopping and you buy all your Pesach ingredients, keep those lists. You put them in an envelope. And then if you buy something during the week, put that receipt in that envelope. And at the end of the week, you look in your cabinets. And if you bought 10 boxes of matzah and you have five left, write on your list, next year buy five. If you bought three jars of barbecue sauce and you only used used, used two, or you went out and bought an extra one, write it all down. Keep track. By the second Inventory. year, 
Right. Within two years, you'll have like the perfect shopping list because the ingredients are so expensive. And that way you'll be really, really organized and you won't spend as much money for a young family. That That's a really big burden. Yeah. When you look at your cabin at the end of the week and you're like, oh, gosh, I bought like five cans of cake meal and I only went through two. Like, this was a waste of my money. Right. So, you know, think through that. And also at the end of the week, think through what what equipment you didn't have that you wished you had or what's old that you right. want to replace. Right. Oh, keep, oh, keep a list, an inventory list. Right. I mean, I've stopped. Now I have a shopping list for this year. It's huge. It's like I need a new this, I need a new this kind of a bowl or this kind of a picture, like things break, things you needed more of. Just make that list so that you have it before the following year. Yeah, I like I like that uh, piece of advice. That's great. And I hope uh, our listeners are heeding to all that. And just anything you can make in advance. I always have storage instructions for every single recipe, what you can make two days in advance, what you can freeze, how to freeze it. Like just plan those things out. And do whatever you can at the beginning of the holiday or right before. And that way you can have some time off because you can't spend that whole holiday in the kitchen. I've done that. Yeah, no, I know. You need to get out. And we have a yeah, nice yeah. bit of chalamoid. So yes, I want, I want yes. everyone to enjoy. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Paula, for joining us. I hope you can stick around. Hello, Miriam Pascal. Hello. Miriam's spoken up a little bit through uh, our uh, interview with Paula. And yeah, you're going to join us a little bit more now one-on-one, but I'm really happy to have you uh, in the studio. Um, So, Miriam, you know, you're really young, right? Which is awesome to be so known in the food world. Thank you. Right? It's, it's, when did you get started? Um, About three and a half years ago. Okay. I was, I'm totally not trained. I never went to a cooking class in my life. The first cooking class I ever went to was the one, the first one I ever gave. Really? <laughs> that is hilarious. I went to so um, many before I gave. Um, Good for you. I, about three and a half years ago, I was working in a boring corporate job, and I am a creative person. I needed a creative outlet, so I decided to start a food blog just for fun, for a creative outlet. For fun. And <laughs> I, I didn't think it would take off for last I thought you know I always had hobbies that lasted a week or two and then I gave it up for the next one and I thought you know in a couple weeks I'll be on to the next thing but as I saw that people started to come and read my blog it gave me the motivation to continue and um, three and a half years later I have a magazine column I'm writing a cookbook and my blog is getting bigger every day so I know it's unbelievable three years Three years, it's unreal. Miriam's blog is called theovertimecook.com. It's, it's overtimecook.com. Over, what did I say? No, the, just overtimecook.com. Oh, over, oh, overtimecook.com. You know what I love? It's so clean and easy to read. A lot Thank of you. the beautiful blogs a lot of my friends and, and colleagues have, there's a lot going on. And I like that there's a lot going on, but I sometimes I like a nice, clean website. And, and I think that when I turn your blog on, I'm getting it. And it's, Thank you. you also, I love like a couple of weeks ago you did a whole roundup of Mishloch Manot ideas from your from your um, blog and that was so helpful to me. Yeah, so I actually I, I mean one of the great things about blogging is you see what people like and what they don't like. I get tons of feedback. I mean daily I'm hearing from hundreds of people and I get a ton of feedback and I also see stats. You know, so if I if I do a roundup and I see that you know thousand you know 15,000 people came that day to read it then I know that people love that did you round say 15,000 <laughs> um yeah so <laughs> what I've learned That's is that people huge. yeah um so one of the things I've learned is that people they appreciate the you know guidance and advice that I give in the roundups you know so before every holiday I'm usually trying to, I usually try to come up with a clever idea for a roundup that will really help people so a couple of years ago before Pesach what I did is um a, like cleaning out your pantry, so recipes that use things that might be sitting in your pantry, like a Rice crispy recipe or pretzel crusted chicken to use up that bag of pretzels that you have. It was to clean to out of, your pantry. Exactly. Wait, so. Does anybody else do like the pre-Pesach chillant where you take like the bottom of every rice, every grain, every everything and like dump it in the pot with your meat? That's I do very that clever. Every year. Like I do that with desserts too. I just I have throw d- it out. D- oh, I d- dump it in the last chillant, okay? I'm telling you. <laughs> And also, like, I have some cookie doughs that you just dump whatever nuts, whatever chips, yeah. like, everything in it. So I, the roundups are, are popular, and people really get advice. And I love to see people are telling me they're making their shalachmanas based on that, that roundup that you mentioned. They gave, like, a ton of ideas and themes and recipes to go with the themes, and you working, people love it. So. Are you working on your Pesach roundup? Um, not yet. <laughs> I know. You must be really busy. So, you know, Miriam's busy with her blog and, and, uh, she does have, actually have a job outside of her right. blog. I don't know how you so, find time to do that. Well, that's the idea of the overtime cook that I, I work full time. I actually commute also. And on the side, I'm cooking and baking, but I have very little time to do it. And I think that's what 
is popular with my readers that my recipes are usually recipes that really take very little time because I don't have the time and I know my readers don't either. They're busy mothers, busy, you know, they're doing other things. They don't want to spend all day in the kitchen. And so I don't have a lot of time, but in the little bit of spare time and the very little sleep that I get, I do, um, I'm working on, on quite a few things. So the cookbook, like you mentioned, and also the AMI um, column, I write an AMI, a monthly column, desserts and baked goods. And, um, yeah, I keep myself busy. I don't remember what free time is like, but I hear it's nice. Okay. Yeah, anybody know what that is? No. What? Free time? Oh, gosh. I have I've, to look that up. Let me I have like my, my, my thesaurus and look that up. I have like three weeks before Pesach where like Monday to Thursday, like every week, I'm somewhere around the country doing demonstrations, book events and stuff like that. Everyone's like, how are you getting ready for Pesach? I'm like, God will help me. Like, right, I will true. somehow this is where get on. Like, you have to have serious amuna, and like you will get it, get the job done, right? So the funny thing is that you mentioned the shalchmanis ideas, and I was giving so many shalchmanis ideas to my readers before Purim, and then people said, "Well, what are you doing for shalchmanis?" And I'm like, "Oh no, I'm not doing anything. Whatever recipe I happen to be making for my cookbook that week, that's what people are getting. So you know I don't what, have the time." You know to what? Do I that. dressed up as a, um, on Purim every year, I'm the same thing. I dress up as a Pesach chef. I wear my ape, my uh, Aussie gourmet. Um, Chef's jacket, and that's what I do. I'm a chef for the day. But, yeah, I can't, I can't, um, Purim is kind of like very hard for me, a little bleep on the radar, but, you know, I, uh, I do color and wine. I kind of feel like, especially this past year was, um, it was Thursday Purim, so I kind of gave everyone color for Shabbos right. or for the Surah and just a bottle of wine and just, Leave me alone because I've got to run back downstairs to the Pesach kitchen. But my kids have fun, so, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I usually do, like, the different flavors of hamantaschen from my second book and just have some fun with different colors, red velvet, pistachio, green tea, just have some fun with the hamantaschen. But, like, I'm, I was already working on Shavuos recipes in the middle of, you know, at the end of February, beginning of March, because, like, the deadlines for the magazines are so quick. Right. So See, somebody was laughing. about like, why, why are you working on dairy recipes? I'm like, Shavuos is coming. Shavuos is coming, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the other thing is when you're trying to get the Pesach ingredients, like, Hanukkah time to work on your Pesach recipes and the stores don't have it yet. Oh, stockpile. Yeah. Oh, that's, I've learned. The I first always year I had a hard have that cake meal. I have the tapioca. I have the gluten-free cake. I stockpile that stuff every year. Wow. I have to. Yeah. You are listening to Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is also heard on our Ruth Sheva English Radio. Our show is sponsored by Abels and Hyman. We taste better. Had to do a little station ID for our uh, incredible Nacham Siegel Network uh, hosts and our show and our stream, especially the week of the right after uh, the marathon, um, with the marathon ending. Um, okay, I've just I have some very serious questions for you. Instagram okay. and Facebook. How <laughs> do you get yours to grow like crazy? Like even your website. How did you start with your audience? Like you, how did you get yourself out there so fast and so quickly? You want you. I've got to talk slow. You are one of the fastest growing in three and a half years. You're getting 15,000 hits a day or a week? In a day, yeah. In a day, 15,000 hits a day. I'm happy when I have seven. <laughs> no, I'm more than that, but not too much more. Well, um, so I think originally I, I really didn't know what I was doing, and I, I think I, I sort of got lucky. <laughs> but I, one of the big things, I think, is word of mouth, that as much as I can, I can do social media and things like that, um, when I – when someone makes a recipe from my blog and they serve it on Shabbos to their guests and their guests say, this is delicious, where's the recipe from? And they say, oh, from this great blog, OvertimeCook.com. I really, that's the best way to get new readers because those are people who are just like, what? They, they already know that the site is great and the recipes are great. So they're the most excited. So your food must be really sensational. And, and, and I know it is because I've made some of your stuff. That probably what is separating you from other bloggers. Your food is good. It's it's simple. Simple, but it's still different, right? It's different enough, and you're not seeing it on all the cookbooks that have come out. It's really different, and and it stands out, and people are just spreading the word. So from that, you are also taking your Instagram pictures and posting it up right. and sharing and tagging and hashtagging. This whole hashtagging thing is hashtag crazy, and it's just grown. It's unbelievable. Well, back to what you said about the food. One of my favorite um, ways that someone described my blog is they said that my recipes are innovative within their comfort zone. So oh, the recipes that, are great. That. That's great. That's they're, they're very familiar, clever. but they're still different and cool. So that's that's my that was my favorite way to describe the recipes, and I, I really try to keep that going because that works. You no, know, it's it's really good. What's your favorite food? What's, what do you love to eat? I love meat. <laughs> I'm, I always say hashtag carnivore. 
I love beef and ribs, the heavy meats. I, I just have... had my cholesterol checked. I'm good. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually not such a big meat person. Um, and I'm, people would think that sweets would be my favorite. And I enjoy certain sweets, but I, I don't know. You know, I love popcorn. Like I always say, if I had to pick one don't thing. Don't even get me started. I'm obsessed with and popcorn. The problem really? with popcorn is that it's not oh, so yeah, salty. You know why? Salty. Because we're spending so much of our time doing sweet stuff that like we crave salt. So, you know, what? and because it's not so unhealthy, it's like you feel like it's okay to have some, but then you have a big bag and suddenly it's gone and you're like, oh, whoops. So um, popcorn is like a real weakness for me. I make it over the stove with olive oil. With olive oil? With it olive doesn't oil. burn fast? No. Because olive oil... Oh, that's so interesting. Just a little, you know, just so cover the bottom. In camp one year, I used to be the cooking teacher in Camp Dina. So I got all these bags of popcorn. I took a big pot. I put a little bit of probably canola oil or vegetable oil, whatever they had in camp. And I popped a huge thing of popcorn. I put some in a brown paper bag and it was still hot with chocolate chips and chili powder. And I shook it up. And the chocolate chips and the chili powder went really well together all over the melted popcorn. And it was amazing. And the reason why you didn't bring this for Miriam and myself I know, today, I know. Really, I just thought of it now. It lunchtime. Yeah, right. Well, uh, I think Miriam. I did bring dessert. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Miriam. <laughs> okay. Oh you getting this? So this is great. Cute. We're going to eat this. Oh, I... <gasps> Look how cute there those little um, cups are. These are so fabulous. Oh, okay. Let me help. This is, Miriam, is this going to be I in your book? Little spoons. Yes, this is for the book. Okay, I'm get one for ZK. Oh, okay. These are so Actually, adorable. I kind of knew that Miriam was going to do this. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not well, there surprised. Was, there was a sneak peek on Instagram last I night. I know, I saw that. Now, what do you call these? These are praline mousse cups. And they, Yummy. I don't think they taste like what you expect them to taste like based on the way they look. But you'll you'll let me know. Uh, it's really cool because um, Miriam said to me, ZK, um, this is really for you, um, who's coming into the studio? And I told her, Paula. And I said, my, and my engineer, ZK. We, we love to. Had to make sure there was enough for all of us to eat. Well, okay, there, can I try of- one? Oh, well, so oh, maybe, spoons too. This maybe is you so should be exciting. doing the what's for dinner segment. <laughs> well, this is for the cookbook. I can't give this recipe She can't out. give the recipe out. So after this, we're going to break for the what's for dinner segment. But this is a, oh my God, my mouth is so watering. Just you know, I'm here. usually the person who's like, this month I'm cooking for everybody. I'm doing events like up and down the East Coast. I'm going to be in Chicago. Oh, I'm coming back to New York a couple of times, but I'm doing an event at the 92nd Street Y oh. on March 25th. My, that's like in a couple of days. Yeah. So if people want to join, they should go yeah, they find them. Probably on their website. It's going to be a talk. Oh, TK, this is good, hey? We get to eat good stuff. So I'll, t- I'll tell you the I'll tell you this, the the story it's got behind nice this. Nice crunchiness mm. in the middle. Oh, I'll tell you the story behind the crunchy the crunchiness that I actually this is not going to be part of the recipe in the book. Um, I just layered it with these crumbs because I had them, but mm. it was it was um, a cookie dough that was too crumbly, so I added some oats and some other things. And put it in the oven as crumbs. And sometimes like you have to think fast I like on the your crumb. feet. I know. Every time there's something that doesn't go perfectly right and I'm about to throw it out, I'll be like, okay, how can I reprocess this? Exactly. What can I Even do? if it won't be a recipe that I'll use, I just don't want to throw it out. So this, that, it turned into crumbs for this, this recipe. This is amazing. For this dessert. Is there Rich's Whip in here? There is. You would never know. And I, I always yeah. tell people, I can always tell when there's Rich's you Whip. Know, I go to a fancy restaurant, I can tell, ugh, this tastes like Rich's Whip. This does you not. have to put other things this that mask the flavor. This is thank really you. good. And thank you so much. This is really yummy, Miriam. I'm a little intimidated to be serving dessert uh, to Paula. To Paula Shoya. <laughs> Paula Shoya. Paula Shoya. And Baker. Oh, so I just want you to know, in the last 35 seconds, I've almost finished this entire cup and I'm not well, done they yet. they are two-ounce cups. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should we'll leave some from Miriam and Nachum. Are they coming into the <laughs> – they'll pop around, I'm sure. This is amazing. And this Thank is going to be in the cookbook. This is in the cookbook. Okay, so let's, let's you know, we'll come back to Pesach soon, but let's talk about the cookbook. When okay, is this I love pre- to talk about the cookbook. Okay, when is this coming out? Um, it's going to be coming out before Shoshana, so oh, it'll perfect. be out in time for your um, marathon baking and cooking sessions before the holidays, although it is desserts and baked goods. Um, and the real focus that I have as I'm working on this book is that it's really for every occasion. So whether you want to just bake something simple for your kids after school or whether you want to make something fancy to send over to your neighbor who's making a simcha or whatever, anything in between, I want it that whatever the occasion, you should be able to open the book and find something to make in it. So I'm really working hard on that. And um, I'm very excited about it. Do you have people I'm, helping you develop recipes and test um, your recipes? So I'm doing all the developing myself, but okay. I, I actually am starting – right about now to work with readers who are volunteering as testers once the recipes are completed 
um, by me, and I've tested them a couple of times, and they're great. You've got to, to send them sure, out there. Just to make sure that they, you know, that people can recreate them as I wrote, and, you know, if anything is unclear, that they should be able to so here, Here's the thing out. that's happened um, in some cookbooks, that you use a certain kind of soya sauce, and we use a certain kind of soya right. sauce, and it ends up a little bit different You have to play around with different ingredients. In, ingredients, right. different yeah. brands, because different, different brands have different saltiness. I'm using soy sauce in particular because there's one recipe. I'm right. not going to say which one. I know you're talking favorite, about. It. In a, my favorite, one of my favorite cookbooks, and it's just, it was too salty. I'm like, there is no way the cookbook author is, she's very experienced. She must, I'm sure, you know. It was uh, a different brand. It was right. a different brand. And I emailed her and she said, yeah, did you use this brand? I'm like, no. She's like, okay, that's the catch. And when they reprint the book, they're going to say, so I know right. Susie will do that. She'll say, I use Kickerman right. or I'll use that. So uh, the other thing that I, I am trying to be aware of is things that are hard to find, especially like I live in, in Muncie and there is a bunch of large kosher grocery stores that sell everything that's available in the kosher market mm-hmm. only, but certain things that are not available only in the kosher market for people like Paula who don't live in New York. Um, I'm, so this recipe originally. I do events all over the country and I do I've done a lot of events in like St. Louis Tennessee um, and they don't have what we have and it's really interesting to talk about ingredients because they don't have access to what we do Australia does not have right so you tell people to go online and you have to so this recipe I originally made it with an ingredient and it was delicious I made it actually for a family simcha and it was delicious but then I um I realized that, the, one of the, that one of the main ingredients that gave it the flavor was something that was not available in outside of the, you know, kosher grocery stores. And I don't want that the recipe should only be able to be made by people good in New York. For you. So I redid it with something else and it was, um, it worked. So, so I'm excited. Good. Sometimes I'll put on Pesach, I mean, on Facebook about an, a Pesach ingredient or something like that. It says, okay, people, anybody not find this near where they are or who can find this? Like, I just want to know. Right. And people finding it in like outside of like New York, Chicago, Miami, LA. Right. You know what's really made? I got to go to uh, Alaska to cater about mitzvah. And they do not I, – I, I bought some of my own knives and equipment with me, but basically they did all the food ordering. They have to order a lot of things on Amazon. So if you're, you know, in Anchorage, Alaska or some other parts, we've got listeners in South Carolina – they order kosher food on Amazon. Right. I've actually had, because, you know, I have this Facebook group um, where just to talk about my recipes when readers have questions and things. And I get questions about certain ingredients all the time. One of them is power of butterscotch chips, because the ones that are available in, you know, the non-kosher market are generally dairy. And if you're baking parv and you want power of butterscotch chips, do you have a hard time finding those? I don't love them, but I, we, can, we can get them in Maryland. Okay. We so have two, like, two really the kosher stores. grocery stores. They, um, the kosher grocery stores have, um, you know, they have a couple of non-dairy brands, but outside of the kosher market, it's harder to get them. And people ask me all the time. And I actually did find, um, I did some looking into it for a reader who wanted to make something with butterscotch chips because I actually love them and I use them in a bunch of different recipes. And she, um, so she asked, where can she get them? She lives in, I don't know, not in, not in a, in a large Jewish community. And I found them on Amazon for her, so that was that was. Oh, it's so great when you can tell readers to where they can find ingredients online, because you know I hear from people a lot, and they. You know, I I, I use know. a lot of miso. Can't use it for Pesach, right. I, which I'm really sad about because I put it in a lot of my stuff. It adds so much bold flavor, um, and people are like, what's miso? Where's miso? I'm like, you can buy it, and I will tell them like gourmet glat in the soy near near the almond yogurt. Like I'll tell them very specifically where it is. But a lot of places don't have it or don't carry it. If you live in a big supermarket, um, in a big town where they have, nobody lives in a supermarket. Maybe I live there. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> we live in a supermarket. I go like four times a day. Right. If you, uh, yeah, I was at Gomek Lap this morning and I'm going on my way home. Um, if you live in a neighborhood that has a big supermarket and they, you know, they don't have something, they'll be happy to get it for you. But if you can't mm. get it, there's really, you know, plenty of ways that you can get the stuff. You just, as we were saying before, you need to be prepared. Right. And, you know, write your shopping list, check that you have everything in your house before you start, um, you know, uh, making your – even in general, Pesach or not, check your ingredients in the house before you start making something because there's nothing like worse being halfway through a recipe like, oh, this recipe goes for six eggs and I've only got four, Oi, you know, so just – Yeah, that's the worst thing. Yeah, and then Miriam and I get emails eggs. from people who say, oh, I made this recipe and didn't come out right and they changed the ingredients and they couldn't find this or they did that and, and they get very angry at you like, why yeah. did you do that? Your recipe and I'm like, sucks. Like, Your recipe's terrible. And I'm like, <laughs> well, you didn't follow the recipe. It's a scientific formula, you know? Right. Yeah. Cooking is science. Look, I do tell people, not with baking so much, find your inner chef. 
to take you soup, know, stews. You can yeah, totally you, change but them. But not after with dinner. baking. Baking is well, really much, very much a science. So with the baking, there are certain there are certain things you can play around with. Like for example, if there's cookies that have chocolate chips, you can have fun and put you know peanut butter chips and caramel chips and butterscotch chips, and you can put a little more. You can do other things. But like with actual dough, you don't want to start messing around. Like people ask, can I use baking powder instead of baking soda? And I'm like, no, no, right. no. So that's a, a very good. It's question. a good question. Can you tell me the difference? Again, well, <laughs> I'm on a baker. The difference between baking powder and baking soda. I, I, you know, in Australia growing up, we, we don't have one, there's something we don't have. We don't use it in our cooking. Maybe it's baking soda. Maybe it's baking, baking powder you need. Baking, baking yeah. powder is a, is a real basic leavener. I mean, it really. So maybe it's baking soda that we don't use so much, but what, what? What's the difference between the two of them? Well, Paul can probably answer, but, um, well, baking soda needs an acid to react. So if a recipe calls for baking powder and it has no acid and you put baking soda instead, you're going to have a problem because it needs the acid to react. What do you mean by an acid? So, Some of our um, listeners would sure. like to so know. Sure. So brown sugar is acidic. Um, really? Lemon juice. Vinegar. Right. Um, lemon juice, vinegar. Um, what does it do? Spot, what does it do? What does it do? It, it just reacts. It just helps it. It activates it. And, and, and. Activates in what? It's going to make it fluffier, higher. You can actually see it in, you know, because yeah. I have some vegan white cake recipes that don't have eggs and they'll have baking soda and vinegar or something like that. And you just see it immediately starts to bubble, bubble and expand. Up. So it'll help give, it'll help lighten up a dessert, lighten up a cake. Okay. F- make it fluffier. Mm-hmm. Let's put right, it in it, simple it, terms. Yeah. I mean, if you leave it out, you're going to be left with a rock, like a hard rock. So, I mean, some recipes you're, you don't use it intentionally, but in a recipe where you're supposed to put baking powder or baking soda and you leave it out, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be fluffy. Okay. Because the, yeah, your cookies would be flat. Your cake wouldn't rise. So what can't you leave out? The baking? Well, either way. I mean, it's every, every, you know, it's hard to answer that question because every recipe is a precise formula. So certain cookies, really, you need both baking powder and baking soda. Certain cakes, only baking powder. So it really just depends. So you know what I found? Like, I'm big into making things in bulk. So sometimes I'll triple a recipe. I'll never quadruple because I think the science balance gets off with baking. Yeah, I do that at my events. You can't quadruple, you can't quadruple salt because then it's too salty. Yeah. So if I'm quadrupling a recipe, I have to I, I only triple the salt. Yeah, and I also find when I'm quadrupling a recipe, I don't need as much yeast. Right. So it's it's so interesting. Baking is a complete science. I wish I understood all the different I think Alton Brown is really good at explaining yes. some of the science stuff. Absolutely. Um okay, very good. So now I'm gonna take a little bit of a break. We're going to do our What's for Dinner segment, sponsored by Gourmet Glut. I just want to give them a big shout out because they have been amazing. All the people like myself that have needed Pesach products even a week before Pesach, even Purim time, they were pulling stuff out for some of the people that like to be organized and it was so helpful. So a big thank you to the team at uh, Yoeli Steinberg and Howie Klagsbrun and Mendy Hers for, and, and the whole team there, but for helping me get all my Pesach stuff together even before Purim. So a big thank you to them. I want to just share a recipe uh, called Mandelbrot biscotti, Mandelbread, how all the different ways that people like to call this. But this is one of the easiest recipes. It's going to be up on my up on my blog, um, and I make literally hundreds of these for my customers. It's four beaten eggs, one cup of sugar, two-thirds of a cup of oil. So I use um, – uh, you can use cottonseed oil or vegetable oil or safflower oil. They're probably one of the Pesach oils. Unfortunately, we cannot use canola oil for Pesach. A little pinch of salt, two tablespoons of potato starch, one and a half cups of cake meal, one and a half cups of ground almonds, and uh, chocolate chip cookies can be optional. You can throw in there some dried coconut if you want, but um, the um, chocolate chips are our favorite addition and just kind of like literally blend it all together. First do your eggs and then add in your sugar and then everything else. You shake them into logs and you bake them for about 30 minutes. Um, and then I take them out, I slice them, I sprinkle them with cinnamon and sugar, throw it back in the oven for another 10 minutes. And biscotti actually means twice baked, right? So uh, they get baked again, makes them really nice and crispy. No baking powder, no baking soda. They are hard, hard cookies. Um, and then we have delicious dunk in your tea. I love to dunk it in my tea. I love to dunk cookies. I drink, I, I dunk Tim Tams into hot coffee every single morning. So I'm going to see how I'm going to manage it. That's an Australian biscuit. It's made kosher. What They make one kosher batch a year in Australia, and they send it off to Israel. And I get all my friends from Israel to bring it to me in America. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, all the things that we do Well, if you food. get it to Miriam and I, we can probably figure out the recipe. and we Actually, can... that would be brilliant. 
if I get you these cookies. Sure. Okay. I love that kind of challenge because I challenge the pastry shops all the time and I go home and I try to figure out how to copy it. Oh, I like that. Oh, good for you. Okay, good for me. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I like that. Okay, great. All right. What tips can you share with some of the uh, new new uh, mums and people making Pesach for the first time? Um, okay, well, I should probably preface this by saying that I do not like Pesach cooking. Oh, really? I Our Pesach kitchen is tiny, and we don't have a lot of the equipment that I have year-round. But that that's and, typical. That's typical. Right. And, and people are speaking to that. Right. People are, it speaks to people, you know, so, listening and hearing and understanding. So um, the first thing is certain tools that you use all the time in the kitchen, even if they're not something that you think you need for Pesach, it's worth it to invest in that. Like, for example, a good chef's knife is something I use every time I'm in the kitchen. And to have one for Pesach is just going to make it so much easier. And even if you're spending... Three for Pesach. Milchik, fleshik, and parv. So I, I actually, my, my main chef knife is parv, and I use it for all my fruits and vegetables and almost everything. Um, but, you know, even if you're going to spend a little bit of money and you think like, oh, it's just a week, it's not worth it, it is. Because Pesach cooking is hard enough as it is. Make it a little bit easier for mm-hmm. yourself. Um, the other thing is I I get very stressed out about all the things I can't use. Also, I should mention that my family's menhagim are very, very strict. We don't eat kabraks, first of all. Okay. We don't eat most processed foods, so no spices. Um <gasps> So many things that we don't use. We use very basic things. And I get stressed out because, you know, I want to be creative and I want to do exciting things. In your book, are you going to have adaptations to your... Um, So I'll I'll come back in a minute. Yeah, yeah. um, So what I I do is, and especially when I'm working on my Pesach recipes in my chametz kitchen, you know, Hanukkah time, I really try to focus focus on the things that we do have and we could use, like chocolate, for example, because when I'm doing Pesach desserts, you know, I can't use so many ingredients, but chocolate is a great ingredient and it's kosher Pesach. I use it. I use chocolate. I use cocoa. So, and the texture is great to do things with that, you know, it's hard to get that texture otherwise. So, for example, in my Pesach column in Ami, I had um, red wine chocolate truffles. That's just thinking what we have on Pesach and saying, hey, you know, we could do something really delicious with that. Um, so things like that, I try to really focus on what could we do with what we have rather than just be like, oh, bummer, I can't use that. That's very clever. It's thinking around yeah, you know, out so, of the box thinking. And the whole year round, if you see a dessert recipe that has less than a quarter cup of flour, it just happens to be a recipe that's almost gluten-free or a gluten-free recipe, that should – white bulb should go off in your head. This could be a Pesach recipe, easily adapted. How, how do you convert a quarter of a cup of flour? Oh, I could use just just cake meal alone or half cake meal, half potato starch will just get you there for that a small Write amount. Write that down. I'm writing that down. It's just half a small amount. But I like to work with ground almonds. Quarter cup – if it's a quarter it cup down. of flour or less, then you can definitely either use all cake meal, all potato starch, or combine the two. Usually combine the two is the best way to go. It depends on the recipe, but all I'll right. take those recipes all year round and play around with them for Pesach. So just remember, all year round, gluten-free means Pesach. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, things that just don't have flour, like meringues. I don't make them that much during the year just because I'm too impatient. Right, that's <laughs> but, slow process. <laughs> but, you know, it's something that just doesn't have flour anyway. It's a perfect thing to make on Pesach. So things like that. You know, I, I'm I'm a fan of those. Um, as far as the Pesach recipes in the book, um, I'm not having that many just because I think that, you know, it's it's a dessert and baking book. It's not going to be that – there's not going to be that many Pesach dessert recipes. Dessert and baking? It's not yeah. chicken? No, no real food. Just dessert and baked goods. Oh, that's so, actually good for someone like me who's, you know. And I'm, I'm trying to make it very simple. So even if someone's not – they don't consider themselves an expert baker, even, you know, they're a real beginner, that they should really be able to um, find something that – will be easy for them. I, like I found so. that people really like the simplicity of the kosher baker, having good basic recipes right. they can I, go back to, that they can double, right. that if it's Friday at 2 o'clock, they can throw together. That's so what I, I People use. will so appreciate what you're doing. And I use those a lot. I use your, some of those recipes a lot. It's simple. I make them all the time. So one of the great things about, about having a blog and getting so much feedback is that I learn what people have questions about and what people don't, especially people who are beginner bakers, you know, they have questions about specific things. And I find I get the same questions over and over. So I'm really able to address those in my book because I, I can already predict what people are going to need right. to know. Right. You say you hear the voices. <laughs> so like, for example, every time I use um, buttermilk, people say, well, how do I make it parve? So in the book, there's going to be all these kinds of substitutions and how to how to do, you know, all the, basically all the things that I get questions about, you know, daily on my blog. Um, those are things I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be addressing in the book. So 
try to make it easy for people. That sounds great. Well, we're excited about that. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Thank I just you. want to wrap up very quickly. Paula did a uh, thing a couple of weeks ago, a demo. demo was, did you do a cooking well, demo do- with Maspia? We've got about... 15 yeah. seconds to get this yeah. out. No, they're doing a promotion to raise money for Pesach, and they're still doing it. They're giving out copies of the new Passover menu, and I got to go and do a video with them, which you could find on YouTube. Okay, great. You are the queen of that, just saying it really well and fast. I'm from New York. I speak quickly. Yes. Also, I didn't get to mention my website, thekosherbaker.com. Yeah. I have lots of recipes on there as well, mostly and, and desserts, Paula, but Paula, the first food book is New Passover Menu. You can find it everywhere. What about Paula's Pastries? I no, even wrote no kosherbaker.com is the new redesigned website. Okay, kosherbaker.com. Um, check out Paula and all her websites and her three fantastic books. It's a must for Pesach. Miriam, over time, cook. We are Did waiting at the right? edge of our seat Overtime. for your new book. Overtime Cook. Overtime Cook. Miriam, Pascal, thank you both. I am like in awe of both of you. Thank you for thank bringing you. in food. Thank you for both coming in today. And I want to wish you all a great Pesach. Uh, this is Table for Two with Naomi Nachman on the Nachum Siegel Network. Our show is sponsored by Abels and Hyman. want to wish everybody Shabbat Shalom. Happy Pesach cooking. Check out the Aussie Gourmet for some great recipes too. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>